The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and was recorded at Westminster Chapel in Toronto. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, from chapter 2, verse 23 to chapter 3, verse 21. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Before we consider God's word together, let's pray. Let's ask for his mercy and for his spirit to move among us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we have just heard of that nighttime conversation between your son and Nicodemus. And Lord Jesus, you told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Lord Jesus, you're saying that to us this morning. You must be born again. And then you also drew Nicodemus out of the darkness of what he thought he knew and understood. And you turned his eyes towards you. And you told him that the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that each person here would leave this morning believing in the Son of God who was lifted up. And have eternal life. For we ask it in your precious and powerful name. Amen. Well, I think for many of us here who have been Christians for a long time, maybe even Christians for a short time, but those of us who have been in church for a while are probably familiar with this passage of Scripture. It's very well known. This conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And the, the terminology that Jesus uses here of the new birth, of being born again. I don't hear it so much these days, but probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was quite common just amongst evangelicals to use this term to distinguish, you know, who are the true Christians from the nominal Christians? Well, are you a born again Christian? Are you born again? And we use, that, we use that term to distinguish what it means to be a true Christian. Are you born again? So we, we're familiar with this term, being born again. And of course, John 3.16. It's a very well-known, if not the most well-known verse in the Bible. That God so loved the world. So this is a familiar text for us. It's good to be in a familiar text. But we need to recognize as we come into this familiar text this morning that Nicodemus was somebody who was familiar with the word of God. He was someone who was familiar with the things of God. And he met with Jesus quite confident, 
quite assured of himself, that he understood what was going on. Rabbi, we know, we know what's going on. And in about 30 seconds, Nicodemus' confidence in what he knew was completely shattered. And about a minute into the conversation, he's saying, how can this be? How can this be? And Jesus said to him, you, the teacher of Israel, don't understand these things? And halfway through their conversation, we see that turning point. Nicodemus, how can this be? Verse 9. And Jesus saying to him, you, the teacher of Israel, you don't understand these things. And as we consider this passage, we need to recognize that turning point. So we'll consider the first nine verses. And there Jesus confronts Nicodemus in his confidence. He's assured that he knows what's going on. And Jesus makes it clear to Nicodemus, you don't know. It's not about what you know, and it's not about what you're able to do. And he says to him, you must be born again. And you can't do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And then in the second half of the conversation, Jesus begins to turn Nicodemus away from the darkness of what he thinks he knows. And he he starts to draw him out. And we see there a transition from Nicodemus asking questions about, uh, making assertions about what he knows and asking questions about what's possible, what's able. And now Jesus starts to talk about belief and talk about faith. And he draws Nicodemus into the light of faith. And he shows Nicodemus who he is. He's not just a teacher from God. He's the only son from God who came to be lifted up. And he says to Nicodemus, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. That's what you need, Nicodemus. You need me. So we'll look at those two, the two halves of the conversation. And the way that John sets it up is important. I already mentioned, Nicodemus comes to Jesus quite confident that he, he's rightly assessed what's going on. We know. We know that you are a teacher from God. No one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, as we are reading through the gospel, there's an irony in, in what Nicodemus has said. Rabbi, we know. We know. Because John has just told us at the end of chapter 2, that Jesus knows. John tells us Jesus knew all people. And Jesus knew what was in a man. He knows what's in a man. And then John begins the account with Nicodemus saying, and there was a man. There was a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes and says, we know who you are. But we've just read, actually, no, it's the other way around. Jesus knows what's in a man. Jesus knows who Nicodemus is is. But also, John tells us that as Jesus was performing signs at the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem, many believed in his name because of the signs. They believed in his name because of the signs. Nicodemus doesn't believe. Nicodemus has come and said, yeah, I've seen the signs, and I've rightly assessed what's going on, and we know, we know that you're a teacher from God. I've seen the signs. And Jesus has to lead him out of the darkness of what he thinks he knows and lead him to faith, to believe in him. And he confronts him right off the bat with a statement. And that statement immediately shatters Nicodemus' confidence in his knowledge and what he knows. 
Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's not able to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How is a man able to be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time? Is he able to enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, the question that Nicodemus is asking here has to do with what's possible. What's able to happen? Can this happen? It's a question of possibility, a question of ability. How can it be that one is born again? How can I be born again? How is this possible? How am I able? And Jesus answers him, verses 5 to 8. How is it that you can be born again? Well, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be born again, to be born of water and the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and, he, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now remember that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He belongs to the Sanhedrin. He's part of the religious and the political establishment in Jerusalem. And he's part of the party. He belongs to the party of the Pharisees. The reformers of Israel, those who were, who were the serious students of the law of God and were seeking, with, according to every jot and tittle of the law, to keep it, to obey it. And then Jesus says, you're the teacher of Israel. And this is important. This is, this is the person with whom Jesus is talking. The teacher of Israel. And the teacher of Israel is just asked, how can this be? How can one be born again? How is that possible? And we've just heard Jesus' answer to that. Now, Jesus' answer to that is grounded in the scriptures. And he knows that Nicodemus is a student and a scholar an expert in the scriptures. So he answers the question by saying, Nicodemus, you're out, you, you wonder? You know, you marvel that I say you must be born again? You know the scriptures. Think about the scriptures. What do the scriptures say about new birth? What do the scriptures say about the work of the Spirit? Nicodemus, think about the scriptures. Think about what God's word says. Now it's important that John tells us this whole conversation was happening at night during the feast of the Passover. So we know what's on Nicodemus' mind, the Passover. They're celebrating the Passover. Nicodemus, remember that night when God delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. Remember when he protected them with the blood of the Lamb. He preserved them from judgment. How he led them out. And then Nicodemus, remember when, the, when his people found themselves up against the Red Sea and it was night, just as it is now. And they had the Egyptian army pressing in on them. Remember what happened, Nicodemus? 
a great wind of God, the Spirit of God blew, and the sea was driven back, and the people passed through on dry land. And remember what the prophet says, Nicodemus, Hosea chapter 11, out of Egypt I called my son. This was the birth of Israel. You know that. How did it happen? Through the water. By the wind of God, the spirit of God. And because of the blood of the lamb. And he says, Nicodemus, think of The role of the Spirit in creation. We're talking about a new birth. We're talking about a new creation. You ask, how can it be? Remember in the beginning when the Spirit of God, the wind of God was hovering over the waters of the deep. And darkness covered the face of the deep. Yes, Nicodemus, it's dark again tonight. But do you hear the wind? Do you feel the wind? Remember what the Spirit did in creation. Remember what the Spirit did in the Exodus. Now, kids, isn't it just a wonderful thing that Jesus reminds Nicodemus, not just of what the Old Testament says, but he says, Nicodemus, think of the wind. You feel the wind, you hear the wind. The wind reminds us of the Spirit. And kids, isn't it wonderful that God's world around us, the creation, is filled with reminders, filled with signs of heavenly things. And when I was a little kid, and this is still the case, but I loved the wind. I loved wind. If it was windy out, I'd run outside. You know, I'd get a big branch and run around and wave it in the, in the wind. I loved that. And if there could be water, even better. I was never happier than on a spring day. We lived in the country and we had a ditch. And the snow would be melting and there'd be lots of water there. And I'd be, if it was windy and I was in the ditch with my rubber boots, I couldn't be happier. Water and wind. But Jesus reminds Nicodemus, Nicodemus, every time you're, you're near water, every time you take a drink, you have a bath, you walk by a river, you swim in a lake, remember the Spirit. Remember the work of the Spirit. Every time you hear the wind and you feel the wind, remember the work of the Spirit. But there's more to it than just the creation and the exodus. Nicodemus also knows what the prophets promised, what God promised through the prophets. Nicodemus knows Ezekiel chapter 36. When when God promised to give his people a new birth. Nicodemus, remember what the Lord promised through Ezekiel. How he said, I will sprinkle you with clean water. I will cleanse you from your sin. And then remember that he said, I will put a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk according to my statutes, to obey my commandments. Nicodemus, you know what the prophet promised. How can you marvel then that I say, you must be born again? So Jesus reminds Nicodemus, remember what the scriptures declare about new birth, about the spirit. And he's saying, think of the work of the spirit in creation. Think of the work of the spirit in the Exodus. Think of the promised work of the spirit in 
giving us a new heart. This isn't something that you study for. This isn't something that you train for. This isn't something that you work at. It's not something you're able to do. Think of your own birth, your natural birth. What did you have to do with that? Did you study for that? Did you train for that? Did you work at that? Did you make a decision? I'm going to be born? No, of course not. So when I'm saying you must be born again, I'm, I'm saying the Spirit must give you new birth. You can't do it. Completely a work of the, God, uh, of the Spirit of God, of new creation. And then he's asking, well, how can this be? How can this be? He says, well, it is like the wind, those who are born of the Spirit of God. They are like the wind. You don't just sit down and write sort of a manual. This is how it happens. This is how you're born again. It's like the wind. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes. We hear it. And you who have been born again, you know that. You know that in your own experience. You know that in your own life. The, the surprising, transforming work of the Spirit. And we go through church history and we see it is like the wind blowing. It's never quite the same. You can look at the life of, of Augustine of Hippo. He lived in the 5th century. He wrote about his conversion experience. And it's a long book. It's called The Confessions. Over time, the Lord was slowly working in his life, slowly leading him towards the truth. And it was a long journey. It took time. Some of you know what that's about. It was over time that the Lord was slowly working and you found, ah, I've got a new heart. But then there's someone like Martin Luther who felt completely burdened and oppressed by what the scriptures declared concerning the righteousness of God and the judgment of God. And every time he read that phrase, the righteousness of God in scripture, he he compared himself to God's righteousness and he said, I don't measure up, I'm not worthy. And then one day as he was praying in his study, As he was pouring over the scriptures, he was studying Romans chapter 1. He was giving lectures on the Psalms, and he came to Psalm 22, and he heard those words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he read through that Psalm, and he he recognized, he realized, this is the Lord Jesus praying this Psalm. And as he put it together, he came to realize, no, the righteousness of God is a gift. And then he says, as I poured over the scriptures, everything I saw in a new light. The wisdom of God, the strength of God, the righteousness of God, these are all a gift. Something changed. He was born again. Similar experience for John Wesley. He took a ship over to, he was from England, he took a ship over to the colonies for the purpose of preaching the gospel to people there. And he wrote in a letter to his friend before he left, I'm going to preach the gospel that I may save some. Oh, that the Lord would save me. He didn't even believe what he was preaching. And on the way over, there'd be storms at sea, and he saw these German families, these Moravians. And whenever there was a storm at sea, he was freaking out. I'm going to die. And then he looks over at these families, and they're praying, and they're singing psalms, and they're totally at peace. And he says, even the women and the children... So he met with one of these German pastors to find out what's going on there, what's different. And he just, the pastor asked him a simple question. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? 
And Wesley said, well, I believe he's the savior of the world. Well, that's true. It's a good answer. But the pastor pressed him, but do you believe he died for your sins, that he's your savior? And Wesley is recounting this in his journal. and He says, I said yes, but I should have said no. But then a few months later, he was in a small group Bible study, and they were studying Romans and Galatians. And he says, and I felt my heart strangely warmed. And then I knew and I believed. He did die for me. He is my Savior. John Newton had a similar experience. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I know that I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes it looks like Augustine. Sometimes it looks like Luther. Sometimes it looks like John Calvin, who just simply says, this is typical, the Lord subdued me and made me teachable. Well, okay. (laughs) But... The new birth is a work of the Spirit of God. And we know it when we see it. At the end of all this, Nicodemus says, How can this be? How can this be? And Jesus says, Are you the teacher and you do not yet understand these things? And Jesus tells Nicodemus why he doesn't understand these things. It's in verse 12. You don't understand these things because you do not believe. That's why. It's not that you haven't studied enough. It's not that you haven't worked hard enough. You don't understand these things because you do not believe. And now in this conversation, Jesus, who knows Nicodemus, he knows what's in a man. He shattered his confidence in what he thinks he knows and what he understands. But Jesus is the light shining in the darkness. And now he starts to speak of faith. He wants to draw Nicodemus into the light of faith. Nicodemus, you need to see me. The signs don't indicate that I'm a teacher sent from God. The signs are saying that I am the only son from the Father. And only by believing in me do you come to fully know that, appreciate that. So there's a shift. And if you read those verses now, Jesus is talking about faith. He's talking about believing. And he's slowly bringing uh, Nicodemus along to see him, to recognize him. And look what he says in verses 13 to 15. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent into, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended, the one who has come down. Remember what we read at the beginning of the gospel, the word became flesh. Yes, the Word was with God and the Word was God in the beginning, but then the Word became flesh. He took on our weakness, our mortality, and dwelt among us. He entered our darkness. He descended. He came down. But he came down for a reason, to be lifted up. The one who descended must be lifted up. And here Jesus reminds Nicodemus of another passage from the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have known very well. 
from Numbers chapter 21. Nicodemus, remember what happened among the people in the wilderness. Remember Numbers chapter 21. How the people grumbled against God. They were tired of the food that God was providing for them. God's gracious provision. They're grumbling against that. They're complaining about about that. And God sent serpents into the camp who were biting the people and the people were dying from the serpent's venom. And God told Moses to raise up a bronze serpent on a pole to hold it up, lift it up. And whoever looked at that serpent was healed. Nicodemus, the son of man, has descended. The son of man has come down. He's entered the sin, the evil, the darkness, the condemnation of this world. And he did it so that he might be lifted up. And Nicodemus, that was a sign. Nicodemus, search the scriptures. There's all kinds of signs that point to me and who I am. That was a sign. When they looked at him, they were healed. And Nicodemus, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him, will have eternal life. They were healed in the wilderness. Those who look to him, to me, will have eternal life. Now, this lifting up, Jesus is speaking about his crucifixion. The serpent was held up on a pole. Jesus was lifted up on a pole. And on that pole, he took our sin. He took our condemnation. He took God's wrath, God's punishment for sin. He took the venom of the serpent's bite upon himself, and he absorbed it. And he's saying to Nicodemus, when you look to me, when you see me on the cross, you will know. That I have healed you from the sin. I've rescued you from the darkness, from the judgment. You'll know. In believing in me, you'll have eternal life. And he doesn't just leave it at that. Verse 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nicodemus, I'm not a teacher from God. I am the only son from the Father. And I came because God so loved the world. And I came that I might be lifted up. And when you see me lifted up, you will see on display God's love. And you will know his salvation. If you believe in me, you will have eternal life. Now consider your own life this morning. You've heard Jesus' command, you must be born again. And some of you are here this morning and you know that you need to be born again. You you review your life and you you think of all of the, the times that you have fallen short. You think of the way that you have sinned against others, the way you've sinned against yourself, the way you've hurt others. And you think of all the, the times that you've been sinned against and the way that you've been hurt. And you think of the, the guilt that you are carrying. And you, you know what Jesus says when he says the world's under condemnation. You know that. And maybe you're here this morning and you think, I'm beyond healing. 
I'm beyond saving. And you know that. But Jesus says, I know what's in a man. He knows it too. He knows you. And he loves you. And you may think I'm beyond saving. And no one is beyond the the saving, transformative work of God's spirit applying the work of Christ on the cross. And the new birth isn't just a second chance. And we all know that if we just had a second chance, we would very quickly screw up the second chance. We know that. It's not like you have a computer and with an operating system that's full of viruses, and you're like, well, I'll just get... Or just replace the operating system. That's going to that's gonna be full of viruses too. It's not a new start. It's not a new beginning. It's a new creation. The Spirit of God works in you a new creation. It's a new heart, a new spirit, a total transformation. The same spirit that hovered over the waters in the beginning, the same spirit that drove back the waters in the Exodus, the same spirit that God promised would come and take your heart of stone And give you a heart of flesh. The Lord Jesus bears that spirit. He gives that spirit. He removes your heart of stone. He gives you a heart of flesh. And I am praying this morning that if you are here, God's spirit is doing that work in your heart this morning. And you know it's happening because you look to the sun and you believe in the sun. And you know that he has borne your sin, your guilt, your shame on the cross. And he gives you eternal life. And you know you have that eternal life. But there's others who have come here this morning, and we're like Nicodemus. We've come here and we think, yeah, we know, we know. Some of you have been coming here a long time, Sunday after Sunday, thinking, I know, I know, we know. And yes, you believe things about Jesus. You believe John 3.16. You believe that verse. But you aren't born again. You don't believe in him. And Jesus is very clear here, and he warns you, you are perishing. You are under condemnation. And he tells you, and he knows why. You believe certain things, and you think you know certain things, but you don't believe in him. He tells you why that's the case, and you know that's why it's the case. It's because your works are evil. And you know it. You know that your works are evil, and you don't want to come into the light because you think the light's going to expose your works, your evil works. And yes, you say the right things and you you believe certain things, the right things about Jesus, but you will not come into the light because your works are evil. And Jesus is saying, you are perishing. You are under condemnation. You will remain forever in the darkness. You will not have eternal life. You don't know the love of God. And I am praying this morning that you will walk into the light. And know that whatever deeds of darkness that are exposed, the Lord Jesus has taken those on himself. 
that you'll be born again, that you'll believe in him, that you'll have eternal life. And that's the promise. That's what Jesus offers, eternal life. God so loved the world that if you believe, he sent his son, gave his son, and whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And eternal life is the very life of the son himself which he gives. Come and share in my life. Receive my life. Receive the shared life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that life flows out from the very love of God and eternal life, to receive eternal life is to enter into and abide in the love of God. And I pray that everyone here this morning believes in the Son and so receives that life. And John tells us that Those who walk in the light do the deeds that are true. And it's evident that it's true. And Nicodemus was one who walked in the light. It wasn't obvious at first. It wasn't obvious after that first conversation that Jesus had with him. But at the end, uh, at, at the end of the gospel, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion when he died... We're told that Joseph of Arimathea came and took down the body. And then we read that Nicodemus joined him. And listen to what John tells us. Nicodemus, the one who had met with him before, the one who had met with Jesus before, reminding us of John chapter 3, came. Bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Nicodemus wasn't hiding in the cover of darkness anymore. He and Joseph went and they took Jesus' body. His body, which was broken, bloody, And Nicodemus carefully washed the body of our Lord, the lifeless and life-giving body of our Lord. And he applied those aloes and that myrrh, and he carefully wrapped it, preparing it for burial. And he knew that he, his Lord, had been lifted up so that he might have eternal life. And every Sunday we come to the Lord's table and we are reminded of the body of Christ which was given for us. It was broken and given for us. And every Sunday we come and we receive this cup. The blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we're coming to the Lord's Supper again today. And as we come to this table, as we receive this bread, the body of Christ, as we receive this cup, the blood of Christ, it's a declaration, it's a confirmation that God so loved the world. And we come and we receive this bread and we receive this wine knowing that we are those who believe in him and we are those who have eternal life. So let's come to this table now in faith, believing in him. And let's come to this table knowing that we have eternal life and we will abide 
forever in the life and the love of God. Because the Spirit of God has given us new birth and has given us eyes to behold the Son who was lifted up that we might live. This message has been brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share this content, but do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. For more resources, please visit ezrainstitute.ca.